What's up, buds? Along the near side, Krejci for Miller. His shot knocked down. That hit Brendan Dillon, and he's a little slow to get up. He's hobbling. Dillon trying to get to the bench. That shot stung him. Hit him low in the boot somewhere. Here's Oshie with a shot. They score! Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today, uh, I'm joined by John Press. And uh, John, we kind of threw this one together last minute. We were both in the Slack, and I asked if you wanted to come on and do it. And you said yes. So uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Enjoying the weather, uh, enjoying other things about life uh, that are not necessarily hockey-related. So, you know, it's important to to balance those out a little bit more, especially when the hockey part's going a little uh, rockier than we'd like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. It was actually funny. I was watching the game with a couple of friends last night, and uh, they were, as soon as the Caps lost in double overtime, I leaned over to them and I said, oh, well, you know, I'm doing a lot of traveling. I'm not sure I could, like, really have the time for the Cats to go on this long run. And they were laughing at me, realizing right. that uh, this is the kind of justification that a broken human being does. And that's sure. I, I've accepted that. So uh, I guess, JP, let's, let's start open-ended. Uh, how, how are we feeling about the Cats play right now? Um, I mean, there are things that, that you like about it. There are things that are, are very troubling. I think at the top of the things that you you like about it, uh, both of the goaltenders uh, who have play, who've played since Vanacek got hurt have been very good. Uh, Craig Anderson was very good, uh, surprisingly so, in my opinion. And uh, then getting the surprise start in game three, uh, Ilya Samsonov was was very very good until he wasn't and uh you know that that overshadows um a guy who played 80 minutes of uh pretty pretty good uh hockey uh especially given his circumstances coming back not having played with the team in uh almost three weeks um he he made the saves he should make he made a, a bunch of saves that he probably shouldn't have made uh and that's Thinking the breakaway with Pasternak for for one there. Yeah, I mean for sure uh, he got some help from his defense, um, and I, I thought in game three, I thought through sixty minutes the Caps were the better team, frankly. Uh, and then something happened at at, uh, at the intermission before overtime. Uh, the Bruins came out completely dominated that first overtime session. And if it wasn't for Samsonov's great play, uh, he would never even have been in the position to make that colossal uh, fuck up that he made in, in double overtime. Yeah. Well, and, th- and that's the tricky part, right? Is I like, I, I think, and I think a lot of Caps fans, like we've struggled analytically with it, right. Of whether, you know, I mean, do you want to just say, oh, we should blame it on Samsonov because, you know, if he hadn't screwed it up, then they wouldn't have won or they would have, you know, maybe they were getting up late, but okay, maybe you get lucky or something like that. Or do we say, okay, like the only reason they were even in that position is because of Samsonov's struggle, you know, of, of him doing really well and particularly bailing out the caps in the first overtime. So I guess kind of how do you think about that? And also, I guess with this, I'll 
throw in the Twitter dialogue thing, which I'm rolling my eyes about, but about how Alex Ovechkin was uh, yelling seemingly at Samsonov in Russian at the end of the game after the blunder. Yeah, I, I don't even want to address that. that I mean, uh, a passionate captain in the moment, uh, frustrated, whatever. Uh, I yeah. think it's not a thing. Um, but uh, how do you... How do you balance it? Um, you know, this is kind of the caps, uh, uh, unfortunately. And and I mean, it, in full disclosure, I don't watch enough of other teams. I'm sure that every every team thinks that uh, they have guys who make these soul crushing mistakes uh, at the worst times. But you know, it, it's not maybe not quite as visible. But Nick Dowd goes out and he scores the go ahead goal, and he's set to be the hero, and then he takes just a terrible penalty uh, late or in the middle of the third period um, hooking McAvoy behind the play. And, you know, the Bruins come back and score on that uh, power play. So it's sort of, you know, Samsonov, Dowd, it's sort of uh, emblematic of this team in a lot of ways that they uh, play well and play well enough to take leads and then they piss away those leads like the the yep. you know the Taylor Hall goal in game 2 the the caps have uh had five one goal leads in this series and every single time the bruins scored the next goal and yep. it uh you know it, in fairness the bruins have had two uh one goal leads and both times the caps came back and uh scored the next goal so you know no, leads haven't been safe in this series uh, but the the big difference is that the Bruins' underlying numbers with the lead, tiny, tiny sample, of course, because the Caps have had more leads during the game. But the Bruins are at like 80% goals for, uh, expected goals for uh, with the lead. And the Caps are at like 20% or something. So, yep. you know, I, I think the Caps' play with the lead has been shoddy. Uh, it's something that I'm writing about in the narrative that's going to run on Friday. Uh their their play in the with the lead is shoddy, and uh, you know it, it's vo- it's a volume issue. It's a it, when you got that volume, uh, then you you're giving yourself more opportunities for these um, colossal mistakes, right? And yeah, uh, you know if I mean it's just simple math, right? Like if if you just say to yourself one out of every ten. Uh, shots that the other team takes somebody on the caps is going to fuck it up so bad that it's going to end up in the back of the caps net well if those 10 shots come in five minutes or if they come in 20 minutes it makes a difference between whether you're going to win or you're going to lose so yeah um or be tied or whatever but uh that so uh, you know it's a volume issue and then it's like a, a mis- uh, just a mental focus type issue it seems i mean you look at the goals they've given up in this series and, uh, you know, credit to Boston for, for putting on the pressure and everything like that. But uh, I, I think well over half of them look uh, self-inflicted or at least there's a guy you can point to and say, man, if that guy hadn't played that wrong, you know, if, you know, in, in the overtime goal that Marshawn scores in, in game two, 
uh, people point the fingers at Dylan for that blind pass up the boards. But, uh, you know, you got to also look at Carl Haglin going for a line change when he's yeah. supposed to be supporting that pass from from Dylan. Um, or also so, where was, where the heck was Justin Schultz on that play, for instance? Too. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. After after that turned into a goat rodeo, it it got got weird. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just um you know, the mental acuity, the focus sometimes with this team uh, doesn't necessarily seem to be where where it should be. And, and in fairness, I, I would wager that most fans of most teams feel the, the same way about their team. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, the, the interesting thing is I was kind of contrasting. Uh, I, I was watching the Caps game at the same time as I was watching Nashville and Carolina and I really can't stand a lot of Carolina's like outwardness or whatever, like everything they do that's not on the ice, but watch Carolina with the lead. And it's a, it's a different thing. And like, and particularly for me, I look at something like zone exits as being where when the caps, it seems like they just, whenever Boston really ramps up the four check, they really struggle. And I, and I struggle to think of like, you know, is it an execution thing or the cap gas? Like, kind of what's going on with that? But that's something that really it seems like when Boston amps up that pressure, it's something the Caps really struggle with. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a perfect example of something that um, in the playoffs, that is the kind of thing that will let you know a lot of what you need to know about a coach and his ability to adjust. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's. We, we saw, especially two years ago in that uh, Carolina series, um, Todd Reardon had no answers whatsoever for uh, Carolina's pressure. Uh, I, I think that uh, LaViolette's got better answers. I mean, the, the structure of breakouts all season long has been night and day from Todd Reardon's caps. And uh, so I, I think that... I think that the possibility is there to make uh, those changes and the necessary changes. But like, like we said, if, if you got guys going for a line change when they need to be supporting a breakout uh, you know, that ain't on the coach. So uh, you know, uh, I think, I think it may be a question of uh, health as well, especially when we're talking about John Carlson. Uh, I know that a lot of people are not the biggest fan of his uh, play in the defensive zone, but you look at that guy, and he can barely pass the puck. He can barely shoot the puck. Yeah. Uh, it's, he gassed, I think. It's pretty it's, clear. Well, yeah, I mean. Or hurt. I mean, hurt. whichever. Yeah, he, he looks hurt to me, to but uh, yeah. But w- what do I know? I mean, the guy missed games <laughs> at the end of the year. Uh, and, you know, he and Backstrom, the guys who missed games at the end of the year, other than Ovi, um, you know, they, they don't all just miraculously get to 100% come playoff time. I mean, th- these are still lingering things. And, uh, you know, to me, maybe it's sort of wishful thinking that Carlson and Backstrom are hurt because if they're not hurt and this is how they're playing, the, the caps, Yikes. if this is their future, <laughs> then, then that, that's troubling. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think you look at John Carlson and that's a guy who uh, is a lot better than uh, what he's showing right now. So uh, I think they need to, rejigger some things and this is where Peter Laviolette's going to make his money you know uh in figuring out how to answer I mean to to me the fact that 
he's gotten he's played three overtime games uh, with this Boston team and had uh, the lead in the second half of every single one of the, each of the three games. Uh, to me, that speaks volumes about how good a coach he is. I mean, uh, oh, you know, yeah. on paper, this wasn't supposed to be a series. This was. I mean, uh, I, 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 we, I, like, I picked Boston in five. I, I think you were in a similar place with that. Yep. And yeah, I mean, like, and that's, I mean, mostly paper because you can't really say how a coach is going to react in the playoffs or not before it really happens. Right. I mean, it, it, this wasn't supposed to be a series. This was supposed to be 60-40 or 70-30 or, or something mm-hmm. uh, at least. And uh, the Caps have been right there. They've had a chance to win every, you know, with any with, given shot. They could have won each game with in each of those games in during the game. They were over 70 percent likely to win the game uh, mm-hmm. per money puck. So, uh, you know, I think that speaks volumes about the job that LaViolette's done. And uh, especially when you look up and down the roster and, you know, tell me who you think's playing great. You know, it, it's not yeah. like they're other than the, the goalies. <laughs> the making some stops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the fourth line. It, that's, yep. that's it. Uh, you yeah. know, they, um, they're, they're not getting uh, scoring from anywhere else uh, at, at five on five. I mean, at five on five, they have two goals from, Dowd, two goals from Hathaway, a goal from Dylan, and a goal from Wilson. You know, yep. nothing from uh, Ovi, nothing Mantha, from Baxter, yeah. nothing from Mantha. I think Mantha's look good, but you know, at some point you still gotta put the puck actually in the net. Um, you know, Oshi. I'm gonna give Oshi a pass because he he has contributed with some uh, assists. Say, he's been a fucking warrior this year yeah and he's just yeah he's just gutted it out he does whatever they ask of him and he's clearly uh, not 100 percent either i think right so he's a guy he's a guy i give a pass to but then you know i I wasn't overly impressed with kuznetsov's first game back um you know connor sherry's been a total zero for me uh so far um you know they bench sprong because they saw some things on tape that they didn't like uh, defensively uh, Ellers out. So, you know, really, you know, in a lot of ways you look at this and it's damn near miraculous that the caps are where they are, uh, yeah. which I don't know if that's a, a pessimistic view or an optimistic view, but it's, you know, I, I don't know. That's how I see it right now. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's tough because honestly, like two, one, like, you, I mean, you could see this, I think, like being 3-0 Boston up to 2-1 Caps. And like, you know, I think any any one of those results would have felt plausible to me. I mean, whenever you have three games to go to overtime, like anything can happen in overtime. But speaking of overtime, I kind of want to, it seems like the game last night with kind of the way the Caps fell apart in overtime. I, it's hard for me not to at least be a little bit concerned because I mean, and obviously I've expressed this to you and I've expressed this in other places that like the cap, I don't know, it kind of feels at times like they're being constructed with scotch tape at this point and the overtimes maybe have felt at times like that's where the scotch tape has started to come off a little bit. So do you think one, all of these overtime games are just a concern for the caps in general? And two, do you kind of buy the separation between that the Bruins maybe have shown in a couple of these overtimes? Um. Yeah, it, it's hard to say. I mean, the Caps are the oldest team in the league. Uh, and, and this was before they got to the Chara, by the way. 
Yeah, and before they got Craig Anderson, uh, yeah. you know, the, these are, the, yeah, they're they're not a young team. Uh, they're not a particularly fast team, even when they're f- fresh as a daisy. Uh, even even pre Rano trade, yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, I mean, they are a grinded out type of, of team. And um, I think that that can be troubling when they're playing a, a team that is uh, really pushing the pace the way that the, the Bruins have been. Like, you know, if they were playing three straight overtime games against the Islanders, I don't think it would look like this. It would look... No. More like um, two teams in quicksand, you know, trying kind to... Kind of like the 0-0 game that they played against the Islanders a few weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, or or even the Penguins, frankly. You know, I, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, it would look a little different. Um, so I buy it I, in that they, they really, um, you know, the way the Bruins play up and down uh, right now is it's a lot and it takes a toll and um, you know, it's not, it's not the physical toll of playing the Islanders where they're, you know, uh, they've got idiots like Casey Sezikis running your defenseman from behind every time mm-hmm. they go to pick up a puck, but it is a physical toll in that you're just skating a lot and yep. defending a lot and blocking a lot of shots. Well, I was gonna say, and, look at the perfection line. Right? Or I, I know you hate calling it that, but like, but look at the Bergeron line, right? Like if you want to, you can always tell whenever they're the ones on the ice, not just by looking at the jersey numbers, but by looking at them in the offensive zone and just how much they freaking skate. Yep. yep, yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, every time that line touched the puck in overtime, you... you you got worried that the game was about to end. Uh, you know, I think the Caps have done a reasonable job. Taylor Hall is having a great series, but I think they've done a reasonable job on that line overall. And uh, their bottom six, you know, has broken through with a couple, but it has, you know, nothing uh, outrageous. Super but threatening, you would say, yeah. But the uh, that, that top line, as we knew it would be, has been a lot of trouble. And... Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they've absolutely gone off since uh, Lars Eller has been unavailable to the Caps. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I I had him as my key player in the series. I've talked about that quite a bit. And I mean, because and, and I guess I, I'm going to kind of branch off this way. Um, I, you know, it seems to me like the Caps idea of just playing pure matchups with Boston's perfection line, you know, is... I, I, it's tough for me to look at that and say that it's working, although obviously in game one, they seem to be able to get by with it. But I guess kind of if, if Eller's out for a while or like, you know, if he, even if he's back, do you think the Caps are going to try to balance the matchups there? And do you think there's any maybe roster decisions or lineup decisions that they could do to kind of balance out the matchups with the, with the, with the Boston top line? Or do you think it's just going to kind of be the Caps having to ride their horses against Boston horses and kind of seeing who comes out on top? Well, I mean, if it, if it's going to be power versus power, uh, that's not going to work for the Caps. I, I mean, it won't. I agree. <laughs> it, it, it just won't. Like, you look at, at the series that Alex Ovechkin has had right so far. Uh, he looked very good in game one. He looked like he was about to uh, bust loose and, and yeah. just go on one of those tears. 
Uh, in game two, less so. And then in game three, he was not very good. He was... Uh, he got a goal, five five. but it was like him kind of just being in the right place deal, you know? Right, right. and that was... Uh, Mostly player. Manta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, at five on five, and, and you know, and why is that? Why, you know, is Obi tired? Is he worn down? No. I, I think what it is, is that in game one, he saw an awful lot of Boston's third pair, uh, yeah. Kevin Miller and Jeremy Lausanne, uh, and the Krejci line at, at five on five. And he had his best game. And then in game two, it was more of a balance where, uh, for whatever reason, Laviolette uh, was just playing his guys. Maybe he was feeling like he didn't want Boston to dictate uh, when he uses Alex Ovechkin, that kind of thing, which, you know, a lot of coaches – uh, just a bore line matching for that very reason. But, sure. you know, it is what it is. And then in game three, he got a lot of McAvoy and Grizzlick and the Bergeron line, and he didn't do shit. And, no. uh, you know, that's the what uh, having that last line change, having home ice advantage is, and that for Ovechkin, uh, he's not going to be successful uh, against that line. So if given the choice, uh yeah, I think it's really important for Laviolette to figure out a way to get Ovechkin away from that uh, fivesome uh, and get him into some better matchups. Now, getting Kuznetsov back helps. Uh, getting Eller back would also would help. Really help, uh, yeah. <laughs> especially, I mean, in getting Eller back would especially once it shifts back to Washington uh, would help a lot because then you know you can put Eller out against those guys and, uh, you know, hopefully handle them. Cause right. But right now, you know, you're in Boston, you're kind of at, uh, the, the rim of, uh, whatever Bruce Cassidy wants to do, but, you know, getting, I also think splitting Ovechkin and Backstrom will help if Kuznetsov can come anywhere near, uh, the Kuznetsov that we know he can be at times, uh, you know, at this time of year, especially, uh, then, you know, maybe they do have a chance or, you know, if Mantha starts getting hot and Backstrom finds his touch, you know, maybe they have to decide where they're putting the Bergeron line and uh, whichever one's not getting the Bergeron line uh, can maybe exploit uh, the rest of the, the Boston lineup. But I mean, the the the, the goal the for the Caps coming into this series was always going to be uh Best case scenario, you saw off the Bergeron line and then beat the Bruins down the lineup. Uh, and that's pretty much what happened in game one. Uh, it didn't happen in game two. It didn't happen in game three. And, uh, you know, if you're going to get beat, I guess get beat by their best. But um, the Caps need to figure out a way to get back to uh, limiting that top line and being able to beat them w- with their bottom nine. Yeah, and this kind of transitions perfectly to the next thing I wanted to ask about, which is uh, we're, we're talking a lot about the Caps kind of forward lineup. And, I, you know, I mean, to me, when you look defensively, two of the bigger problems are I, I just frankly don't think Justin Schultz has been healthy for two months now. And I think Carlson obviously is playing through something, whether that's a combination of fatigue or injury, I don't know exactly. However you want to demarcate it, but I think it's pretty clear they're not doing that. So I will be fully transparent here and say that I stole your idea for my latest piece for Jason's <laughs> Ring in terms of your suggestions for the deep hairs. But I mean, I just kind of 
explain what your thinking is behind, you know, what, what, what kind of, well, I guess start, let's start with this. How would you potentially rearrange the deep hairs and what do you think the kind of advantages would be for those suggestions that you had that I put into words? Yeah. I also didn't credit you for, but I'll do that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, we're all on the same team. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, exactly. um, so first of all, I did think that Carlson in game three, uh, got, a, got better in the game went on, which surprised me. Yeah. He, uh, rocky start, but I, I thought he did, uh, play better. But, um, to me right now, their best defenseman, uh, is Dmitry Orlov. And I don't think it's necessarily, uh, all that close. And, yep. Uh, so that's a guy that I think you want in your top pair. He's been, uh, pretty, he's been very good offensively. He's done a good job on the left side, stopping Pasternak, uh, on the entry. Um, I think that his numbers have suffered, frankly, as a result of, uh, Carlson's play, uh, to an extent. So I put Dmitry Orlov in my first pair. And then, uh, you know, you look at who he's been successful with this season and the guy he's been most successful with uh, also happens to be a guy who's been very good through three games. And that's Nick Jensen. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, Jensen's played uh, a third pair role uh, with the matchups that come along with it. Um, But, you know, he's been good. He can skate. Uh, so I use that as my first pair. Uh, in my second pair, I, I, I think I think Brendan Dillon's actually been pretty good this series. Uh, yeah, you know, surprisingly I, so. I think he hasn't been obviously burned, at least yeah, from what well, I've Yeah, I mean, people <laughs> people bury him for the uh, overtime goal uh, in Game 2. But um, I think he's been pretty good. And he was really good uh, down the stretch this year playing with Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who... I think is a enormous upgrade over Justin Schultz uh, defensively. And I don't know, I don't think Justin Schultz is providing enough offense uh, to justify being in the lineup right now, frankly. Uh, So my second pair is is Dylan and and, uh, Van Riemsdyk. And then my third pair is Chara and who who has been playing very well uh, as well. Uh, and Carlson, uh, if Carlson can still go and if he can't, then you, you put Justin Schultz there. Chara and Carlson actually were very good this year, uh, when they were in limited time together. And that was against, uh, some tough opponents. So I, I think that's potentially a, a pair that works, but if, if Carlson just can't, uh, if he's hurting the team by playing, then you play, uh, Schultz instead of him. So, uh, that's. I mean, that's how I would have it uh, shake out right now. Uh, it's worth, I, I think it'd be worth a try. But uh, again, you know, th- this is a team that just lost, uh, what, 3-2. So uh, it's not like they're giving up uh, too, too many goals. Um, sure. It's not like they're giving up six a night or whatever, you no. know. But the, the underlying numbers don't look great to me. And if you're going to bench a guy like uh, Daniel Sprong, who... It provides more five-on-five offense than just about anyone on this team. If you're going to mm-hmm. bench him because you you don't like uh, the way he plays defense, uh, maybe look at your defensemen and and think about yeah. the way they play defense. So and yeah. what options you have there. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk's very very solid, and 
to me, should be in this lineup right now, uh, given how this series has gone so far. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's two big ways that I think that I and I am with you on the deep hairs uh, as I wrote about. Um, I think there's two big things that this could help. I mean, one is just a simple thing of Van Riemsdyk can like you know he's not played a ton this year. He's presumably going to be a lot fresher. I think that however you want to demarcate the injuries versus fatigue issue with the Caps blue line. I think that clearly there's some of both going on. And so just literally having a fresh player in the lineup might just do good by that just inherently. But I think the other thing that it could do is potentially balance out the lineup a little bit. I mean, right now you look at the ice time and I mean, it's somewhat balanced, but again, the Caps are having to play John Carlson, just these huge minutes that, I don't know if he can continue to play, frankly, even if the Caps somehow get by Boston. So I think for me, you talk about matching up with the perfection line, and I think it's obviously offensively that's going to probably matter more in terms of, you know, forwards and everything like that. But I think who you put on the blue line there could matter too. And if you're able to kind of balance it out a little bit more, maybe maybe that can help, no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it all makes sense. Uh, you know, Carlson played – something like 33 minutes in game three, uh, which is a lot. And he, he played most yep. of those minutes pretty well, but um, you know, it, it lightened the load on him, spread it out a little bit more, try to find uh, some, some groups that uh, some pairs that work a little bit better than what you've got going, because uh, you know, I, I don't know that it, it's necessarily working, but again, you know, through 60 minutes of game three, I thought the Caps were the better team. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, so what do we know? Ultimately? <laughs> yeah, right. So, so who know? I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe you wait until they shit the bed entirely in a game before you start switching it up, but by then it's going to be too late. Yeah. Well, I guess the other the other kind of big piece I want to talk about, and then we'll we'll conclude with something small and get out of here. Um, I, I look at the various absences, and I mean, you you alluded to this earlier about just the pure impact of losing Lars Eller because that was a guy that it seemed like really centered around the Caps' plans in terms of how to kind of match up with Boston's top line, and also to a lesser extent, but still there, their second line. So. I kind of like what has you been your from what you've seen so far. The Caps have been without Eller for basically a game and a half. What 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 kind of role you know if he's able to come back? What kind of role do you think they're are they just going to put him back in against that top line, or are you going to kind of do you think that they might need to modulate this and even it out a little bit more? Um, I I think that you can. Um probably if he's good to go, you put him back in that line in that defensive role. Um, I think that theoretically uh, Nick Backstrom can also play some of that role, especially with Kuznetsov back. Uh, You know, in theory you have, um, you've taken some of that offensive responsibility off of Nick Backstrom's shoulders. You know, it's, It's different when you're centering Alex Ovechkin uh, than when you're centering uh, Mantha, you know, and and Oshi. It's, uh, you know, the expectations are different and your role's a little bit different, um, you know. So I, I think if Eller can come back, you have two, you probably have three centers that you feel okay going up against that top line, you know. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I know that, 
the Dowd line's been sort of buried by them, but uh, they they sure have converted on their chances, and they've had a lot of shifts at the other end. I mean, it's not ideal, yeah. but uh, you don't you you're not scared out of your mind uh, against them. Uh, but uh, so you know, I think that you could. You, you probably slot him right back in, try to get him out against um, that uh, that uh, Bergeron line. And, uh, you know, Backstrom and Dowd chip in when they can uh, in sort of a defensive focused line. And then Backstrom's line is also pseudo offense. I mean, they do need a lot more from the top six. Um, yeah. And you have uh, the Kuznetsov line uh, as just an all offense line if you can get it. But it's hard to get those matchups, uh, especially on the road. So, you know, yep. uh, it's... The Caps it, are going to have to win at least one road game, too. So they yep. gotta, i got to figure this out. Um, and I, I guess, like, let's let's conclude with the goaltending. Um, I, I, I'm i concluding with this because I, I think I have a pretty clear answer to this. But where, where, who would you start tomorrow? Well, I guess this is going to be going out, presumably. Most people will be listening to this on Friday. Who would you go with uh, tonight to be the uh, to be the starter? Samsonov. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's even a question. Uh, yeah. He was uh, very good. You um, you want to show faith in him. You don't uh, bench a guy because of one mistake. I mean, of course, we can get into a bigger discussion about uh, other mistakes that the guy has made uh, <laughs> on and off the ice. But, yeah. um, you Maybe know, for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you don't go. uh if you don't go back to him uh, after he played that game and gave your team every chance to win it, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what we're doing here. So, um, and, and, you know, just purely from an asset management standpoint, you know, whether or not you're going to move on from this guy, uh, you put together another couple games like that and you can get something for him uh, this summer uh, ver- if you do want to move on from him. Or you can start thinking about, you know, I, I know it's, I know with Samsonov, it's kind of Lucy with the football right now, but uh, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, you, you trot him out there and see what he does. If he craps himself, you know, and you're down three, one, uh, maybe you go back to Anderson and Samsonov never plays again for the organization. But uh, to me, he clearly earned uh, another start, and uh, I- I'd put him back in there without hesitation. Yeah, and I think for me, I the the, the way I kind of have thinking about it at this point is I know the Caps are only down two one, and all three games have gone to overtime. But you know, I think we we sat here and we kind of dissected problems about you know the, the Bruins have really paused to the Capitals and. I, like, frankly, I, you know, the Caps might need a goalie that can steal a couple of these games. Samsonov came really close to stealing that game against Boston, frankly. Like, he was yep. really good. And yep. not only that, you look at the save, the way he made the saves. It was, I mean, Craig Anderson, yes, he made a lot of saves, but he gave up a lot of rebounds, which, again, you would expect for a guy who doesn't play very much and who's 39 or whatever. But... I mean, I think it's it's clear that when they're at their best, it's going to be Samsonov versus any of the Caps goalies. So, you know, I, I think that a way the Caps could win this series still is Samsonov could stand on his head for four more games and or three more games or whatever. And that's, yeah. a, that's a path there, but you don't get that with Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson, no, I, don't well, think I mean, so. 
maybe he could stand on his head for a couple of games, but it's probably not going to be a super long-term thing. Whereas Samsonov, you know, maybe he could do that. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, come on. The, the Caps have seen it, you know, here with uh, Varlamov, uh, the year yeah. that he came in for uh, Jose Theodore. It, it, it happens, you know, and it definitely can. And the upside there is uh is to me a, a lot greater so uh i i totally agree with you. you you could see him just uh getting white hot and uh and going on a run but uh you know it's not going to happen if this team doesn't play better in front of him and uh start scoring some five on five goals and uh from from someone other than the fourth line so you know godspeed to samsonov but you know, this is a, a team sport and it's going to take a team effort to come back and win this series. Yep, agreed, agreed. All right, well, on the on the note of JP agreeing with me about something, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll call it a wrap. JP, anything else you want to, you feel the need to say about the Washington Capitals? Nope, not All right, okay. Uh, so uh, I, I enjoy that whenever I ask you to plug something, you seem to plug a different social media platform that is not Twitter. So uh, <laughs> John Press, uh, where can people find you and your various musings on things? Uh, no, I guess Twitter. Uh, I guess Twitter is <laughs> the only place to really uh, find you, me. You, uh, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't mention your capital thoughts on uh, Untapped? No, I, yeah. Well, every <laughs> once in a while, you'll find uh, a Caps beer-related uh, comment, but no. Uh, Are there yeah. any good ones, really? Like, frankly, I, I don't, I don't, I, I will admit. I mean, I'm in DC now for the first time in a while, so I haven't had much exposure to Capitals beers. But is there any any one you'd recommend? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the ones that, uh, like the Aslan beer that they did with uh, Craig Lachlan uh, and oh, the yeah, Astro Lab good. one. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're all right. They're good enough and they support a very good cause. So, uh, you know, anytime you can, uh, drink beer and do some good, uh, I am a thousand percent behind (laughs) that. So, uh, yeah. So I'll plug Craig Lachlan's beers. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's a unique <laughs> angle. That was, that was creative. Uh, well, all right. Real quick, uh, you can find the show at, at Draper's Drink Radio uh, and all, on all major podcasts, including Spotify now, I believe. I think we just got an email from Megaphone saying that they're going to add that, so that's exciting. Uh, you can find me at GregY underscore JR. You can find the show at, at Draper's Drink Radio. If you like it, please rate, write, subscribe, review. Uh, there are now other Capitals podcasts, although I think we're like either number one or two somewhere up there. But uh, if, if you like it, it really helps people find the show. And uh, feel free to interact with only JP and not me on Twitter. I'm mostly yeah. kidding, although I'm like 95% not kidding. So, uh, all right. With that, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, Adam and I will probably be back next week. Uh, sorry for the inconsistent scheduling. I, you know, have been traveling a lot. So there you go. But uh, with that, uh, stay tuned and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week.